Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. On today's program, we'll take a look at life in the new covenant and see what this entails and how we can practically live it out in today's world. part one of Cheryl's message titled, The New Covenant Life. So a few weeks back on my way to a somewhat difficult meeting, have you ever had a difficult meeting? It's one of those things where you're kind of texting and they're like, we need to meet. And you're like, oh, didn't know it was going to lead to that. You know, and you try, I love you, I love you, I love you. And they're like, no, we got to meet. And so I was on my way to this difficult meeting that I knew I needed to say some hard truths, right? And so I'm on my way and my oldest son calls and he doesn't call me that often. But when he calls, it's always exciting because he wants to share what the Lord has shown him with someone and nobody else is available. So he calls me and, and I absolutely love it. And he began to share with me a recent discussion that he had had with a man in his church. And this message had progressed into a Bible study that he was going to give that Sunday. And as he was talking to me, as the Lord would have it, he was speaking into me the very words that I needed to speak into the person I was meeting with. You know how the Lord does that? And you're just like, oh, oh, this is so good. But I was driving, so I couldn't take notes. But I was just like, oh, Lord, yes, yes. And he was talking about this person in their church had become very mystical, very mystical. And and they kind of like, were living life on this mystical plane where everything they said needed an interpretation. You know people like that? Like they say, yes, so it is so. And you're like, okay, so it is so. So it is so, S-O-W-S-E-W-S-O, so it is so, you know, I know. Or it will come to you, it will come to me. Those things are always so hard for me because I could take that in 50 different directions. And I'm just, oh, and he said this person was just mystical. You know, and they were kind of floating into church and, you know, kind of superior to everybody else in the church. And he pulled them aside and he said, you know, Jesus wasn't mysterious. He put on the shoes of mankind and he ate with mankind and he talked with mankind. Even his disciples say, wow, you speak really clearly. And when he told parables, he said, this is a story. And we're told that when he was alone with his disciples, he explained to them these things. 
There was not a mystical aspect about Jesus. He was very real. He ate, he talked, he engaged in everyday life. And when the disciples tried to make something mystical of it, oh, he's saying this about bread because we forgot bread. He said, why are you doing that? I am telling you clearly, beware the leaven and the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Don't let it happen to you. He corrected them. He brought it back to the reality of their lives. And my son Char was telling me that he said to this person, just be a real Christian. Just be a real Christian. Let the new covenant that Jesus established for us simply work in and through your life. Let this inner working of the Holy Spirit work itself out in your everyday attitude and affections and actions and affirmations. Just let it work in and then through you. You see, it's about what's going on in the heart will affect everything that's going on in our emotions and in our will and in what we do and what we affirm. The new covenant has brought to us divine power to live a divine life in a very practical way among men. It is not a mystical life, nor is it a mysterious life. Moses, in speaking to the people, said, the words that I'm speaking to you are not so far above you that you say, oh, I have to ascend into heaven to to understand and to grasp this. But he said, they're very near you. They're even in your mouth. They're, They're here right now. In this new covenant, we have a practical life that is infused with divine promises, purposes, and the power of God. You see, we are living the same lives on the same earth, doing the same thing as other people. Well, good things. We are doing these things enabled, empowered, by the promises, purposes, and power of God. You know, we eat at the same restaurants. We go to the same markets. We pay the same government if we're living in the United States, the taxes. We live very practically, but we live in the new covenant. And in this new covenant, we have better promises, higher purposes, and God's enabling power. I want to remind you of this new covenant that we live in and under. Hebrews 8, verses 6 through 12. But now Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as Jesus is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second, because finding fault with them, 
God says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand, forced them to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant. And I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Jesus Christ has established by his sacrifice on the cross, his perfection and his power in the new covenant of God. It's established. It is done. We now possess by the new covenant, through the new covenant, all that is needed for life and godliness. In this new covenant, we have God's law written not on tables of stone that we have to look at and feel condemned, but now it's written on our hearts and minds. You know, yesterday I was with my brother Chuck and we were talking and he said, Cheryl, you do know that God's law is not moral. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. And we tend to think of the Ten Commandments. It is relational. And when Jesus was summarizing the law of God, he said, it is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. What is that? That's relational. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. It's relational. It is showing us how to have the highest, purest relationships with God and with men. But We couldn't do it. We couldn't do it under the old covenant. But in this new covenant, God writes it on our hearts and minds. And he gives us a personal relationship with himself where someone doesn't have to order you. You need to know the Lord. No, I know Jesus. I know Jesus, and you know Jesus. You know Jesus. Years ago, I had to talk to this woman who had done this, done, fallen into this sin. And, and I went to her house, and okay, I'm going to be honest with you. She started wearing really suggestive clothes at our church, okay? And she had the goods, if you know what I mean. And so I had some wives come to me saying, can you talk to her? And I said, I can't talk to her unless she comes to me. And I thought I was off the hook. And then her husband came to me and said, will you talk to my wife? And I said, you don't like the way she's dressing? He goes, are you kidding? No. Will you talk to her? And I'm like, no, not unless she calls me. And don't you tell her to call me. You know, it has to be all on her own. And then she called me. Uh, you know, I had to, I went over and I met with her and she's like, and, and she'd been in leadership. And then all of a sudden she had 
you know, I don't know what switched, but something switched, you know. It, it, the worst thing to do is to wear a low neck thing to a funeral. I mean, you just don't do it at a funeral. But anyway, she was showing the goods at the funeral. So we were, we, I was talking to her and I said to her at one point, you know what, I don't know what's going on in your heart or mind, but I can only conclude one of two things. Because she said to me, go into my closet, tell me what I should wear and what I shouldn't wear. And I'm like, I'm not going into your closet. I said, you know, here it is. Either you are Jesus' sheep, therefore you hear his voice, and he's telling you what to wear, and you're a disobedient little sheep saying, well, you might have picked that one out, but I like this one. Or... You don't hear his voice because you're not his sheep. But he said, my sheep hear my voice. And I said, I'm leaving that right there with you and I'm out of here. It's time for me to go make dinner. And that's how I left. And the next thing I knew, she started dressing modestly. And I said, hey. And she's like, oh, Cheryl, I was a naughty sheep. I heard his voice. I felt that conviction. But, you know, I thought maybe that was just me or just some uh, church moral code. But I began to listen to the voice of my shepherd. You see, I don't have to say, wear this and don't wear that. Do this and don't do that. I don't need to do that. We're under the new covenant. And you know Jesus. We walk on level ground as sisters. We each have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You do not come to the Father through Cheryl Broderson. Hallelujah. You come to the Father through Jesus Christ. And we all have equal entrance. We all have equal favor. We are all wanted. We are each accepted. And we each have the capability to hear the voice of Jesus Christ and to have God as our Father. This is the new covenant. But not only that, he says, and I will be merciful to them. In this new covenant, it's so individualized and yet so corporate. But in this new covenant, we each receive mercy. Isn't that so good? Isn't it so good to wake up and go, yesterday was yesterday, and today his mercies are brand new, and they stretch as high as the heavens, and that we walk in the atmosphere of God's mercy. He loves us. He has forgiven us. And he says their sins are forgiven and I will remember them no more. Hallelujah. He is not looking going, well, you did this right and you did that wrong and you did this right and you did that wrong. No. His mercy is so great. But his mercy is not only his forgiveness towards us, but it's his acceptance of us. It is his hospitality towards us. You are wanted by God. You have not only been invited, you are wanted. He's calling going, you're coming, right? You're coming. How how far are you away? You're on your way, right? You're coming. You're coming. 
all day long, God's like, you're coming to my throne room, right? You're going to be here, right? How far are you away? I want you here. Oh, wait till you see what I have. Oh, wait till you taste what I have made for you today. That's what he means by mercy. Mercy, wait till you see the good things that I have waiting for you today. I want you in my presence. And your sin is forgiven. It's not remembered. It won't be brought up in our fellowship. It won't be talked about. There's no condemnation. There's no reminders. There's no, I told you so. There's love. There is, do you like that? Does that taste good? I, you know, I love to bake. I love to bake and I, and I love to, you know, like, does it taste good? Do you love it? Is it everything you wanted today? Is it what you were craving? I mean, I just, oh, I get vicarious enjoyment when other people eat my food. It's weird. But I think of God giving us his mercy going, are you loving it? Do you love the taste of it? I so enjoyed making this for you, knowing that you would be eating it in my presence. So as we come to Hebrews chapter 13, the author of Hebrews ends this epistle, and I love the way he refers to this epistle that he wrote. All 13 chapters, he he says this word of exhortation or encouragement, and he calls it a few words. I would, Brian would consider my speeches to him just a few words. 13 chapters, just a few words. The author of Hebrews ends this epistle in which he has outlined the superiority of Jesus, the work of Jesus, and this new covenant that we have through faith in Jesus, and then the power of faith through this new covenant. He presents us with a brief overview of what life under the new covenant practically looks like in its affections, in its activity, its divine advantages and affirmation. It is not an impractical life. It is not a mystical or mysterious life. In its ramifications, it is very practical. And we have all received and possessed the power we need to live out on earth among men, all that is required of us, all the divinity of Jesus Christ that will be a light shining to others. The new covenant affects and has affected our affections. What we love and what we don't love because the love of God is written on our hearts. Remember? The summation of that law of God, it's relational. It's that you love the Lord with all your heart. It's that you love your fellow man. So one of the most basic signs that we are truly in the new covenant is love. It's love. Paul says you you can have everything going for you in 1 Corinthians 13. You can have all faith so mountains are removed. You can have prophetic gifts. You can have, we can work miracles. You can preach the most eloquent messages. But if you don't love on the most practical, basic level, none of it has any validity. 
Love is the absolute sign that the love God is written in your heart and on your mind. This is the sign. This is the verification that you are truly in and under and understand the new covenant. It's if you are loving. Why? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul says that those of us under the new covenant are being compelled by the love of Christ. That means we are loving what we don't even want to love. It's just happening through us. We're like, but I don't like them. But I love them. That God is so working this love in us. D.L. Moody said that when he prayed the prayer, he felt no different when he prayed the sinner's prayer and he received Jesus Christ until he walked outside and he said he was overwhelmed with love. He, he said he was like, I love you trees. And he wanted to hug a tree. He said he looked at every person he saw and he loved them. He loved them so much. He, he said that he would just love a flower, that he loved the sky, that he loved the birds, that he felt this new, overwhelming affection for all of God's creation. And that to him was the sign that he was in the new covenant. He was in a true relationship with God, his father and creator because of Jesus Christ. When we are in the new covenant and under the new covenant, what we will have, and here is the greatest sign, is we will have a love for and an affection for the people of God, the people of God. In Hebrews 13.1, the Greek phrase is one of the easiest phrases. I want you to go out of here knowing Greek. It is the word it looks like M-E-N-O. Looks like minnow, but it's pronounced mano. Mano, Philadelphia, like the city in Pennsylvania. Minnow, Philadelphia. I started to say minnow, Pennsylvania, minnow. Minnow, Philadelphia, minnow. Minnow is the same Greek word that Jesus uses in John 15. When he said, if you abide in me, it's the word abide. Abide in my love, he says, if you abide in my word, abide in the vine. And it means to live in, in a continued state. It is also the word that he uses in John 8, when he says, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. It's the, the constant living. And what he's saying is don't let anything move you from brotherly love. You have it. The new covenant is the atmosphere of brotherly love. You have moved into brotherly love. Don't let anything move you out. And again, that word mano is repeated twice. Mano, Philadelphia, mano, which means the fullness or the completeness. It's like Isaiah 56, where it says, he will keep him up, Isaiah 26, three, he will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is set on him because he trusts in him. And thank you, you Bible experts, I love that. You girls are good. 
but he will keep him in perfect peace. That word perfect is actually peace. He will keep him in shalom, shalom. So when you have a word repeated twice, it makes it an imperative, an absolute. In Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The repetition means it's an imperative. Continue in brotherly love, continue. Abide in brotherly love, abide. Stay in this place of love. One of the most basic and evident signs that we are truly in the new covenant is love. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says that you can have everything going for you. Great faith, prophetic gifts, eloquent preaching, and even working miracles. But if you don't have love, then none of that has any value. Love coming from our lives is the absolute sign that the love of God is in our hearts and on our minds. This is the confirmation that we are truly in and understand the new covenant. It's seen by our love. If you feel that you are lacking in this area, God is near to you. Pray, ask Him to fill you afresh with His love and Holy Spirit. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll continue our look at New Covenant Life as we continue our series, Our Great Faith, in the book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.